0: We've been on this series, if you've been with us the last few weeks, um, we've been on this series, uh, Supersize Me. Um, and, and essentially what it's come down to is um, we've been talking about spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices. Um, we've been talking about these things that, that we can do that allow us to draw closer to God, that allow God to speak into our lives, that allow God to change the way we think about things, the way we understand the world around us. And you probably noticed by now, this is the fourth and final week of the series, you probably noticed by now that there's a a overlap in between some of these, uh, where we talked about meditation. Uh, Meditation rolls right into the concept of prayer. Reading your scripture, reading the Bible, rolls right into the idea of of prayer. Um, We can't just read it, we've got to live it out and and have it in our lives and so um, today though I wanted to talk a little bit more about prayer Um, as if we haven't prayed enough already this morning um, I want to talk about prayer Um, what that is what that looks like what that means um, what it does to our lives Um, but before we get there um, we've asked uh, Autumn uh, Tyler to come up and read the scripture for us this morning if, if you'd come up Autumn. And she's going to be reading out of uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 1 through 4. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished on, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, told be your name. Your kingdom come.'" Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Thank you. Will you give uh, Autumn a round of applause, please? Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) That's the word of the Lord for us. Spoken through the mouths of of one of our children here in this church The word of the lord as it transforms our lives As we apply it to our circumstances as we learn what it is What it looks like and what it means to be praying people The disciples came to jesus and said lord teach us how to pray So this morning As I said, um, I want to talk about prayer um, before we get there, though, um, I, I, there's a video um, that I wanted to show us, and we're going to play that here in just a second. Some of you might have seen it before. Um, it's from a Christian comedian, so it is satire. Um, but he talks about some of the things that we do when it comes to prayer, particularly prayer at mealtime, the conversations we have. Um, and, uh, and it's just a couple minutes, um, and I'd just love us to watch this video here just for a second. So how many of us have thought or said one of those statements somewhere along the way? All right. We've all kind of been there, especially that one at the end, like who's going to pray? Let's leave it to the pastor because he's the most spiritual one, right? Um, I know that because I get stuck praying a lot now. Now, ever since I've been a pastor, it's like I always have to pray for everything. Um, It's a goofy video. It's meant to be satire. And I heard you guys laughing at the funny stuff. Um, But there's a hint of reality to some of those conversations where we do we we complicate prayer and and we try to make it like uh, I got to make sure that I I, you know do the right thing here so do I need to pray for this or or should I pray for that Or, or or we try to create all of these rules and parameters or we look for opportunities to get around prayer he talked about the sliders, and he said, you know, if, it's, if you order a cheeseburger, you've got to pray for a cheeseburger. But you don't know, there's a glitch in the system. Sliders, you, you don't have to pray for sliders, so just order some sliders. We look for those opportunities to get out of it sometimes. We say, oh, I, you know, I'm, I, I've got to try it my own a couple times first. You know, I haven't exhausted all my resources. I haven't, I haven't invested enough of my time and effort into this yet. And so I'll pray when it's the last thing for me to do. When it's my last option, I'll pray. When there's no other options on the table, I'll pray. Um, and we create these opportunities um, to move around prayer. Prayer is a value that we hold here at Wapak NAS. We, we talked about our values before. Not too long ago, we actually just went through a series on our values, if you were here a few months ago. And one of those values, those core values, those tenets that, that we say as a church we believe in is prayer. And, and it's not because we're Naz, and that's what we want to do, but, but we believe that prayer is a kingdom value. That the kingdom of God is built on people who pray. That the kingdom of God is sustained by prayer. All God's people should value prayer. It's not just for the pastors and the missionaries and the Christian bloggers and the volunteer youth workers. It's not just because you're teaching a Sunday school class that you've got to pray. It's not just because you're out to dinner and you're about to eat a meal that you have to pray. God's people are defined as praying people. We should all value prayer. So if we're supposed to value it, then it stands to reason that we need to learn how to pray. We need to know how to do it. We need to move past the uncomfortableness, the awkwardness, the uneasiness we feel of praying. And I'm not talking about necessarily praying out loud, although I think that there's value to to speaking aloud your petitions to the Lord. But the Lord is more interested in what's going on in your heart than he is about your words. Prayer isn't about the big words that you can construct in your brain on the fly as you're trying to pray over somebody. He's not looking for that. God's looking for your heart. And if all you can think of is simple, plain words, but your heart is in it, man, the Lord hears that prayer. There's more to prayer that we're going to get to. Uh, These are some of the scriptures that we're going to look at today. Um, And I wanted to say, too, um, as we talk about learning, one of the other things we've been trying to do with this series is, is be real practical, Um, I don't want to just give you head knowledge. Um, I want to resource you a little bit. If we're talking about learning how to pray, uh, I want you to actually learn how to pray, um, not just remember more scriptures that tell you you ought to pray. Um, But it stands that we need to look to scripture. If we want to understand what God is saying, we need to listen to his word, um, what it is that God's trying to communicate. Um, Most of these will be up on the screen this morning, um, but if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to the the first one there in Luke chapter 11— Um, That one will not be on the screen That was the one we read um, earlier this morning Autumn read for us Um, Prayer is an audience With the king of the universe I don't want to move past this this point here too quickly Um, I want to talk about us learning to pray And and, and all these scriptures that talk about prayer Um, And in fact if you have a study bible You can look at the back of your bible um, And do, there's like a word search in there And you look for the word prayer, and it'll give you hundreds of verses that talk about prayer. But prayer is an audience with the king of the universe, and and maybe that doesn't resonate with you like it does with me. The the idea of Jesus as king um, has always been the moniker that has stood out to me. And we have a lot of names for God, right? We call him God the Father, um, God the Son, Jesus, Jesus Christ, just Christ, Messiah, Holy One, Uncreated One. Lord, Savior, and all of these are true. Um, but for me, one of the ones that's always stood out is the idea of a king. The imagery that comes with a king, and, and, and sometimes it's difficult for us to get ourselves in that mindset because we don't live here in the United States in a kingdom, right? We live in a democracy. We nominate and vote those who are in political power over us. Senators, congressmen, mayors, governors, presidents. And all of those people who are elected and nominated owe us something. They work for us. They're in those positions because we either voted for them or we did not vote against them. Or more people voted for them than we voted against them. But it stands that, that somewhere along the way, the people, the majority of the people voted for somebody. They owe us something. They're accountable to us. But a king is not accountable to his people. Unless he's a righteous king. But a king doesn't owe his people anything. A king is a king because of who he is. A king is a king because of the family he was born into. He became the king because his mother, the queen, died. Or his father, the king, died. And now he is the king. He doesn't owe his people anything anything. And yet, this king, our king, gave us everything, owed us nothing, gave us everything, and still takes time to listen, to sit with, and to meet with us. The Lord is meeting with us today. I don't know if you felt him already. I've felt him. He is meeting with us today, and he's meeting with others across the world as well. That's the king we serve, who's never too busy to meet with his people. And he will meet with you in the darkest places. Notice how many times we sang about darkness in our songs this morning? And how Jesus makes the darkness flee? Just his name. Jesus meets with us there. Never too busy to sit with us. I love the idea of King. And in in prayer, because we get to talk to the king of the universe, because he's never too busy for us, in prayer we begin to think like God. As we continue to come to him, as we continue to, to spend time with God and pray to him and talk to him, we begin to think like him. We begin to love like him. We begin to will for the things that he wills. Our hearts begin to break for the things that break God's heart. Because we're spending time with the king. And his influence pours over into us. Another thing about prayer that's important is prayer is life-changing. Now I could have written up there um, that prayer will change your life. And that's true. But the reason I wrote prayer is life-changing is because it doesn't just change your life changes others' lives. Prayer is life-changing. It's not just behavior enhancement. It's not just um, thought correction. It will change your life. It will transform you. It will renew you. It will create you into who you were supposed to be. And it'll do the same for others as you sit and pray for other people so their lives will be changed. One of the things that um, has always struck me um, about the Catholic faith, faith and I, I love our Catholic brothers and sisters, um, but one of the things that's always struck me about that faith is, is um, particularly when somebody passes away, um, they have a strong emphasis on the need to pray for that person. Um, I've sat in, in several funerals before, um, Catholic funerals, and, and the priest will often get up and say, will you pray for this person, this deceased person? Pray for them to get to heaven. Pray for them to move from this, this temporal place that they're in now. They're not alive and they're not in heaven. They're not in hell. They're, they're somewhere in between. Um, that's their, their theology there. Um, will you pray for them and get them into heaven? And I say, Why don't we do that before they die? Why aren't we doing that now? Prayer is life-changing. And the only reason we stop praying and we stop thinking that it's life-changing is because we don't get to determine when God changes lives. God will change life if we continue to pray. But he's going to do it on his time. We just need to be faithful on our end. Uh, the people of the Old Testament understood, and the New Testament, the people of the scriptures, understood that, that prayer had the potential to change lives. And so the first, one, first verse I want us to look at is in the book of Exodus, and, and I've preached on this passage before, because it's one that sticks out to me. Um, and, and just to set the scene a little bit, um, Moses has gotten the Ten Commandments, and he's, he's gone um, to the children of Israel, and he found out that even though God took him out of captivity, even though God took them through the desert, departed the Red Seas for them, um, that the children of Israel began to doubt God, um, began to question God's goodness. Um, And as a result, they began to worship other things. They created idols to worship instead of the God that sustained them and protected them. And so there's an exchange that happens here around the 30th chapter of Exodus, where God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I'm sick and tired of these people. I'm going to wipe them out. They're ungrateful, they're arrogant, they think they know more than me, they think they're better than me. I'm the God of the universe. I created them. I created everything they know, and I've protected them. And so God comes to Moses and says this, and Moses comes back to God and says, God, remember who you are. Be faithful to yourself. And we get Exodus thirty-two, fourteen says, So the Lord relented concerning the disaster he had said he would bring to his people. Moses' prayer for the people of Israel changed their lives. God was going to destroy them, wipe them out. Moses' prayer on their behalf changed their lives. Children of Israel understood that life or that prayer changes lives. So in the uh, New Testament as well, in the book of 1 Corinthians, it says, for we are God's co-workers, you are God's field. God's building. It is God's work to change the world, to bring life changes, God's mission. That's what God has been doing ever since we stepped out of the garden We got kicked out of the garden. God has been about restoring life. It is God's work. But God has asked and invited each one of us to be workers with him, just like Moses was. Moses didn't change God in his prayer. Moses reminded God of who he was. And God chose to do something different than he was going to do. It's God's work. But he invites us in. He's invited you and me into it. Our prayers matter. Our prayers change lives. They will change our own lives. They will change our spouses' lives. They will change our kids' lives. They will change our brothers' lives, our sisters' lives, co-workers' lives, enemies' lives. They will change lives. If we continue to be faithful and trust in God to answer our prayers, continue to seek Him in all we do. Jesus modeled this for us as well. Um, This brings us to our our passage in Luke. Um, If you have your Bibles and you're in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, he says, He was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, Whenever you pray, say, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And some manuscripts continue and say, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. The disciples came to Jesus and they asked him an important question. They said, Lord, teach us to pray because they knew what Moses knew, that their prayers mattered that their prayers could change lives. Jesus modeled it again for us, right before his death. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew he was going to take the sins of the world. He knew he was going to die. And he knew it was going to be painful. Luke chapter 22, verse 41-42 says, Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and began to pray. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Prayer gives us the will of the Father. This is an interesting passage in Scripture, and I don't want to dive down this rabbit hole too much because we want to talk about prayer here, but it's an interesting passage in Scripture because this is one of the most evident times where Jesus' humanity is showing. Jesus being fully God and fully man, all at the same time, knew who he was called to be. Knew he was supposed to die for the sins of the world. Knew he was going to raise again. And yet his manness, his humanness, didn't exactly look forward to this. And he comes to God and says, if you're willing, take this cup, this, this penalty that I'm about to do. Take it away from me. Nevertheless, it's not my will. It's God's will. Prayer will give us the will of the Father. And so we know the story that Jesus continued with his mission. Jesus went to the cross, died a painful death, laid in the ground, cold and dead, for three days until he rose back to life. And because of that, because of that situation happening, because of Jesus' faithfulness to prayer, And listening to the will of the Father. That's the reason we have this open communication with God. That's the reason we have this power of prayer. That's the reason we have this this communion with God that can go constantly, all the time, never has to stop. Prayer is not just about those blips on our schedule, two minutes before mealtime, right before bedtime, right before you read Scripture whatever. It's not about those. Prayer is about your life, your heart, from the day-to-day, day in and day out. What are you reflecting on? What are you pondering? What is your heart's meditation, as we talked about last week? Prayer is about that. Where does your heart go? Prayer is also a practice, and we must, must, must learn it. We must learn to pray It's not an option And the best way to learn to pray is to ask God Teach me how to pray That's what the disciples did And then too, to to ask God to do His will God, this is what I want This This is what I'd like to see happen But Lord, do what you need to do Fulfill your will never learn anything by not practicing it. You never learn anything by not practicing it. So if we're to learn how to pray, guess what we got to do? We got to pray. And as you pray, it gets better. And I don't just mean your eloquence or your comfortableness with prayer, but the prayer moment, the intimacy of the moment gets sweeter and sweeter as you get more of God in your prayer life life just gets better life changes subtly as you just pray more you talk to God you seek him in all your things Prayer matters. And if prayer is life changing. Then we need to pray. Even when we don't feel like it. Maybe especially when we don't feel like it. If prayer changes things. We need to pray. Even when we don't feel like it. Specifically for our families. And you might be saying. Well I don't have kids. Well guess what. You're not off the hook. Because you have a family. You might be saying. Well. I'm single. Well, guess what? You still have a family you came from. You might be saying, well, I'm not really close to that family. Guess what? Still not off the hook. You're still praying for them. The family unit, the family structure that God has created was intentional. Because we're meant to be in relationships with other people. We're meant to have conversations with other people. We're meant to share in life's ups and downs with other people. Prayer is how we continually come to the foot of the cross in that. How we continue to make sure that our plans are not our plans, but they're the Lord's plans. Go ahead, there? I've got one more passage for us to look at. It's in 1 Thessalonians. Paul was writing um, to the church in Thessalonica, um, and we've spent other time um, reading about uh, Paul's letters to churches, the way he encouraged them, um, sometimes corrected them. Um, but there's something powerful about these simple words that he says here in 1 uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. talking to the people he says rejoice always pray constantly give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus those two simple words verse 17 first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 two word verse in the Bible If you're going to memorize a verse in scripture memorize this one first Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 pray continually don't stop Keep on praying. And you say, well, that sounds kind of exhausting. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the practicalness of prayer. How it is that we can pray continually. How it is that our hearts' movement towards God allows God to speak into us, to change us, and to change the world around us. May we pray continually. Prayer is life-changing because it encompasses all of our life, and through it, through prayer, is how we become the salt, the light, and the yeast that this world so desperately needs. A couple weeks ago, I was meeting with uh, some of our senior high students, and we were talking about how we are to call it to be the salt of the earth. Matthew talked, or Jesus was talking to the disciples and said, you are the salt of the earth. And we were talking about this passage, and, and I said, well, h- how do we maintain our saltiness? How do we keep that salt from running out, right? Because if you've got salt, you've got it in the container, you know eventually that container runs out. It might last a long, long time. You buy one of those canisters, right, those big canisters of the eye to salt for your table salt or something. It can last a long, long time, but eventually it will run out. So what do you do when you run out of salt? You go to the store and you buy some more salt, right? What do we do when our life isn't the way it ought to be, when the saltiness of our spirit isn't what it ought to be? We need to go back to the source, get more salt. Prayer is how we get more salt. Prayer is how we shine that light into the darkness that we sang about earlier. We are workers with God. We work with Him in this. It's God's work, but He wants us to do it with Him. So there's five uh, steps, if you will, to making prayer stick. This isn't a magic formula, um, and it's really pretty basic. But when it comes down to it is prayer is pretty basic. You're talking to God. It's powerful because He's the God of the universe, It's life-changing because He's the God of the universe, but on our end, it's simple. We just need to talk to Him. He's already said we can. So the first one, um, make it part of your daily routine. Now, I know I talked about the fact that it's not about making sure we schedule it everywhere along the way, um, but there is an an aspect of our life that we need to make sure that this doesn't get overwhelmed by our schedule. That we don't forget prayer because we're so busy all the time. Who in here is busy? Anybody? Show of hands? Nobody? Yeah? Yeah, that's what I thought. And all of you who didn't raise your hands are liars. <laughs> Make it part of your daily routine. Put it on the schedule. Schedule a time in your life where I am going to pray. And I'm not just going to say, Lord, bless this food. That's important. That's great. But I mean, I'm really going to pray. I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to pray for my kids. I'm going to take a moment. And I'm going to pray with my kids. Two different things. Pray for, pray with. I'm going to pray for my spouse. I'm going to pray with my spouse. I'm going to pray for my job. I'm going to pray at my job. Maybe with somebody at my job. Make it part of your daily routine. Don't let the busyness of your life crouch out the super important act of prayer you know it used to be that um dinner prayer was one of the most important things of the day right families got together dinner time sat around the table together maybe share a little bit about your day and you'd pray together right we don't really sit down around the dinner table like we used to as a culture As a people, maybe some of you have built that into your schedule and you have to defend that, right? You have to watch and guard that time. If you've got family dinner on your schedule, you have to guard that time. You know how easy it is for that to get pushed aside with all of the other things that we have going on. But when meals went out the window, so did families praying together. We lost something else. We realized that we weren't eating dinner together, and that's okay, so now we don't eat dinner together. But we didn't realize that now we're not praying together either. Because when did families get together to pray otherwise? It was usually at meals, usually at dinner time. So we have to make it part of our schedule. The world's not going to do it for you. And if you've got young kids at home, especially, I know I've got young kids at home. Three year old doesn't let us do anything. You can barely go to the bathroom without the kid barging in. That's for real. Um, you've got to make it part of your schedule. And if that means you go to bed at half hour before you really want to go to bed so that you can get up a half hour before your kids to pray, maybe that's what you got to do. Or maybe the reverse. Maybe it's, I've got to stay up another half hour so I can pray knowing that my kids are going to get me up in four hours. But prayer is so important. We've got to make it part of our schedule. We have to, have to make it part of our schedule. The world's not going to do it for us. Number two, find a place to pray. Find a place. Mark it off in your house. This goes back to that conversation too of praying for your kids and with your kids. Um, There should be a time here again where If you've got little ones, you're going to have to seclude yourself probably to pray. If you're really trying to pray for a second and and you want to talk to God and have a conversation with Him, you need to find a room, close the door, um, do it quietly. But there's another aspect that your children so desperately need, and they need to see you praying. They need to hear you praying. They need to know you are praying for them. They need that. And that doesn't just change with kids. That's anybody who lives in your household. They need to know that you are praying for them. They need to see you praying for them. Be specific whenever possible. Number three, pray about what you know you can pray about. Vagueness is okay sometimes. If you don't know all the answers, that's cool. God gets it. He knows it. But when you know something, when you know a specific, pray for it specifically. Don't just pray for uh, all the kids in in my child's class. If you know some of their names, pray for them by name. Pray for Will. Pray for Melody. Pray for Dean. Pray for your kids. Don't get lost in the weeds. We can find a million and two different things that show us how to pray. I, I mean, I, I pulled I pull out of my library. I was looking for stuff that, that teaches me how to pray, and I, I just found a short little book here that's supposed to help instruct people how to pray. Um, and this might be helpful for some people. Some people might want this, this structure in their life. Um, but I, I encourage you, don't get lost in the weeds. Don't look for the magic pill formula. Just talk to God. It's not about how you talk. You don't have to know all of the theology, know all the doctrine, know all the big words. Just talk to God. And then number five, trust the Lord to do what He wills. Trust Him. Trust in God. Um, The the Reformation theologian, Martin Luther, not to be confused with Martin Luther King, um, but Martin Luther, the theologian, said, I have so much business I cannot get, at, get on today without spending three hours daily in prayer. Martin Luther said, man, I'm so busy. I got so much to do. I, I, I've got to go here to, to run kids to this game. I've got to go over here to go to the bank. I've got to go over here. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Oh, yeah, and so-and-so is sick over here, too, so I've got to go visit them. I'm so busy. Martin Luther was like, yeah, me too. I get it. I'm so busy, though, that I have to spend time in prayer. Because I'll go crazy otherwise. Martin Luther said, I've got to spend at least three hours in prayer. I'm so busy. I've got to spend at least three hours in prayer. After you ask God, you ask Him to do His will, we usually close our prayers with a simple word, right? Amen. Do you know what amen uh, literally translates to? What it literally means? So be it. Another instance of do your will, God, so be it. Whether you say yay or nay, so be it. Prayer is life-changing because it removes us from the equation. It removes us trying to fix everything. I'm a fixer. My wife will attest to that. I try to fix everything. I try to fix stuff that's broken around the house, and I usually make it more broke, um, I try to fix things when she's upset um, and usually just makes her more upset. Um, I try to fix things. And usually that's the outcome when we try to fix stuff. We mess things up. Prayer allows us to say, God, I don't want to do it. I can't do it. So be it. Your will be done. Do what you want to do. Help me to see and know what it is you want to do. There it is, I had it on order, that's why. Our first lesson of passage, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In a few minutes, we're going to practice this today. What we're going to do is we're going to have, those of you who have children here upstairs, we're going to have the kids come downstairs, they're going to come sit with you. And we're going to give you a couple minutes to pray for your kids. Once you're done, we'll pray together for the body. But it's so important that we be praying for our children. That we can't afford to not do it in a time like this. Like Martin Luther said, I've got so much to do, I need to spend three hours in prayer. If if prayer is so important, we can't afford to not do it when we're here. If we don't do it here, we certainly aren't going to do it there. So for those of you who don't have kids in this room... In this church today, guess what? You're not off the hook. Because you'll see kids in here. You'll see families in here. And you have a family somewhere else today. Perhaps you have brothers or sisters. Perhaps you have a mom or dad or an aunt or uncle. Pray for them, be specific. Pray for them by name. Pray for them for whatever circumstance you know to pray about. Pray for their bodies, their physicalness. Pray for their spirit. Pray for their minds, that it may not be twisted by the world. We're going to pray for our kids. We're going to pray for each other in here. Yeah? This, even what is happening right here, we've talked about this before, is a result of prayer in this church. These kids that have just come into this place, many of them weren't born five years ago, but they also weren't here five years ago. This is a result of prayer. This room being filled with with little voices talking is a result of prayer. So too are our lives in a lot of ways. So parents, I want you to pray um, for your children. Just take a minute, pray for them right where you're seated. Put your hands on them, love on them. And I think the, the Stephen's going to give it a little bit more direction.